Welcome to EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Midterm elections. We take a look at how the upcoming elections will impact Catholics and all Americans across the nation, especially the unborn. The stakes are especially high in swing states like Ohio. Rachel Bovard, Senior Director of Policy at the Conservative Partnership Institute, joins us in studio to discuss what we can expect from voters in battleground states. And Marjorie Dannenfelser, President of Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America, shares just how impactful this moment is in the fight to protect the unborn. Our pro-abortion president. President Joe Biden continues to make it abundantly clear that he's marching in lockstep with the abortion lobby as he tells EWTN News Nightly reporter Owen Jensen to quote, get educated on Roe, a very telling exchange. Edie Heifel, political correspondent for Catholic News Agency, has been tracking the president's record on abortion and unpacks the latest from the White House. Living out our faith. We recently spoke with Dr. Scott Hahn and his wife Kimberly at their home in Steubenville, Ohio. They shared with us how the Catholic culture at Franciscan University has shaped the community around them, and they have a message for Catholic voters and politicians. We are just days away from the midterm elections and abortion continues to be one of the many decisive issues for voters this season. A new EWTN poll surveying voters in six battleground states shows that many Catholics want limits on abortion and this issue could make or break a candidate's campaign. The study also found that right behind the economy and immigration, abortion is the third most important issue to most of these voters. One of the most contentious of these swing states is Ohio. In the Senate race, J.D. Vance faces incumbent Tim Ryan, who has a horrific pro-abortion voting record and doubled down on his extreme views in an early October debate. I support going back to Roe v. Wade. That was established law for 50 years. At a recent campaign event in Columbus, when asked for his thoughts on recent attacks against pro-lifers, Vance spoke out about his opposition to, quote, Merrick Garland and the rest of the corrupt leadership at the Department of Justice. He continued. It is insane where the Democrats have gone on abortion policy. Look, I'm pro-life. I can appreciate and understand that maybe somebody's going to want to draw the line differently from me. We should not be drawing the line at taxpayer-funded abortion at 40 weeks of gestation. That's where Tim Ryan is. That's where Joe Biden is. It is a radical position that's so out of step with pretty much anybody in the country. We've got to stop it. We've got to fight back against it. At the first Ohio March for Life this year, nearly 5,000 pro-life people were in attendance. While the state's duly enacted heartbeat law is currently being held up in the courts, stalled from taking effect, Ohio state legislators are calling for the complete abolition of abortion in their state. So here in our state, even though liberal judges are holding up different pieces of legislation, our message to them is that we will continue pushing forward on pro-life pieces of legislation to protect every unborn child in our state. Because as you can see, people are coming out in huge numbers because they know and they believe that life begins at conception and we have to protect the unborn child here in our state. We recently traveled to Franciscan University of Steubenville to speak with young people living in Ohio about their thoughts on the upcoming election. Connor Nolan, a sophomore studying history, shared his thoughts. 
the race between J.D. Vance and uh, Tim Ryan is is paramount. I mean, th this could decide the future in Washington. And on campus, you're seeing organizations um, like TPUSA and Young America Foundation, um, but also people pushing just to register to vote. Um, if this is democracy, we got to claim it. We got to say that that we have a right to uh, to have a voice, and that we can also um, uh, put certain people in office. Connor pointed out that the upcoming Ohio election won't just impact abortion precedents in Ohio, but other important family issues as well. You can't stop there, right? If you do not push for policies that, that lets mothers have maternity leave to be home with their children, that's, that's one of the biggest problems we have in this country. We don't have uh, uh, policies in place that are for the family. And what I mean by that is, is that Things are too exp it's expensive to have kids nowadays. People can't buy homes. People can't feed their own children for crying out loud. We asked Lucia Hunt, another student on campus, about the recent women's march in D.C. and whether or not she thought those women were aligned with the majority of women on this issue. Absolutely not, ma'am. I mean, from my opinion, the one primary thing that separates women who are angry and want abortions versus women who don't want abortions is love and it's compassion. Election Day in Ohio and across the country is November 8th. Joining me now is Rachel Bovard, Senior Director of Policy at the Conservative Partnership Institute. Rachel, thanks so much for joining me. Great to be here. Yeah. So I just had the chance to travel to Franciscan University, spoke with some of the students there about the upcoming election. I know you recently spoke at a conference there titled Restoring a Nation. Could you talk to me a little bit about what you discussed and, and how you think the conference went? Yeah, it was a very interesting conference, not just for the subject matter, but also the timing, as the right, the political right, is attempting to sort of redefine itself in this new era. And that was really the focus of, of the conference, is what is uh, an agenda for the common good? You know, how do our politics reflect the common good, and how does the political right act in that direction as well? So you had thinkers all over the map. You had integralists. You had populists. You had traditional conservatives. Uh, it was a very robust discussion. Um, and I spoke uh, as well, and my remarks were really focused on how the political right, meaning the right here in Washington, D.C., where I do most of my work, sure. can really embrace this moment, what they have to leave behind and what they need to embrace. Mm, very interesting. I encourage everyone to look back and look at some of those speeches. It was really an interesting conference. Um, I also wanted to get your thoughts on a recent poll by EWTN and Real Clear Politics. It showed that the most important issue right now, especially for Catholic voters, is the economy. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering if you could connect the dots. What does it mean to, you know, keep the economy bolstered when it comes to um, you know, then being able to promote a pro-family and a pro-life culture. How are those things connected? Well, it's interesting because, you know, for a long time, I think that when the Republican Party talked about economic issues, they were talking very broadly about, you know, GDP growth and, you know, how your 401k is doing and mm -hmm. things like that. But I think what we're seeing now, when voters talk about the economy, what they're talking about are kitchen table issues. They're not talking about GDP growth. They're talking about survival, right. essentially, right? Being able to heat your home, <laughs> being able to put food on the table in a time of you know rising commodity prices, being able to send your kids to public school without them having to sacrifice their innocence, you know, and being sexualized and and confronted with all this type of information. That you know, it's, it's a broad uh, scope of issues. I think that voters are now saying constitutes the economy, but really to support families and to support communities, you have to have these issues addressed, right? Strong families can only survive and thrive when, you know, the economy isn't crumbling around them. Right. And so I think when the Republican Party 
discuss as being pro-family, um, it can mean a host of things, but it also means creating the economic conditions for strong families to flourish. Yeah, very insightful. And, you know, I wanted to get your thoughts as well on the midterm elections, what you're expecting. Um, you know, in recent years, we've seen former President Barack Obama, other Democrat presidents stumping for candidates. Haven't seen Biden out in the campaign field as much. Do you think that's a campaign strategy? Do you think it's because his positions are unpopular? What are your thoughts? Well, I think Biden himself is historically unpopular. You know, at times he has been more unpopular than Donald Trump was during, you know, that same time frame in his presidency. Right. And I think there are some Democrats who simply do not want him on the trail with them. Um, but I think also you have the issue, frankly, that he is having capacity issues, I think. You know, on the campaign trail, you're seeing rhetorical stumbles that even The New York Times is forced to report on. And so I think there's a little bit of that as well. So, you know, you'll see a lot of pundits saying, well, the, the party in power always loses seats. And that's true, of course. But I do think really Biden's unfavorables are historically low at this point and I think have to be dragging Democrats down across the ticket. I also wanted to get your thoughts before I let you go on Bishop Michael Burbage's recent statement on Joe Biden's pro-abortion stance. He said, quote, the role of Congress is to pass laws that serve the common good. And yet this priority of the president only brings about pain and death. I know that you reside in the Diocese of Arlington, so I wanted to get your thoughts on that. I was really happy to see this statement from Bishop Burbage. I'm very proud to be part of his diocese. You know, and he was very clear in saying, you know, this is death and destruction, what you are promoting. And I think it's also important to point out that all these issues that we just talked about facing the voters, voters, you know, are, are just having trouble, you know, managing their lives day to day in soaring costs, you know, public schools, you know, the notion of a family is under assault. And President Biden comes out and says, my number one priority is expanding abortion. I just think it's so wildly out of touch and I think demonstrates where the Democratic Party is on this issue. In, in so many ways, abortion is almost a religion to them. Mm. And I think that's an affront to, should be an affront <laughs> to every faithful practicing Catholic. And I was really happy to see Bishop Burbage stand up and say that. Yes, we're thankful for his pro-life leadership and thankful for everything that you do here on the Hill. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much for joining us, Rachel Bovard. Thanks for having me. To continue this discussion, we're joined now by President of Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America, Marjorie Dannenfelser. Marjorie, thanks for joining me. SBA Pro-Life America has made a slew of endorsements leading up to Election Day, which is now just around the corner. Talk to me about that slate of candidates. Do you think incoming members of Congress have what it takes to stand up to the current pro-abortion administration? Well, let me just be perfectly honest, Prudence. You know the moment that we're in. And I can say any other election cycle for the last 50 years, though I've not been involved in every single one, I would say, yeah, I think we're pretty ready. We've done everything that we should do. These guys and women are uh, they're ready for prime time. But I'm going to be honest. I think that we uh, need to be very cognizant of the fact that this is a historic turning point in our nation when it comes to abortion. And they're going to come in at a moment where we're looking to a very strong federal role not theoretical anymore, but very concrete about what that role will be. What will the federal limit be? And so I would say that there are many that are ready, but this is one of those moments when we have to be there alongside of them. And I don't just mean Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America or just you, Prudence, but everybody listening and every voter who votes for them for the good reasons that we are promoting them now uh, needs to stick with them in the beginning. You pray for them, make sure they hear from you 
early and often and with high expectations for leading once they get there. Yeah, I appreciate your candid thoughts on that. And and what's your message to voters a little more specifically, especially in those vital battleground states such as Ohio, Arizona, Pennsylvania? What's important um, for voters in those states to know right now? Well, it's vital to know that um, this election, more than any election that we have ever been through together, that there is a contrast between our opponents and our pro-life candidates, and the result of this election will matter. Our opponents, every single one of them that is an incumbent, has voted for the Women's Health Reproduction Act, which is oddly named, but abortion up until the end, paid for by us, goes even further than Roe versus Wade was. And our candidates are pushing for consensus in the country, strong and as ambitious as they can possibly be for life, whether that be a heartbeat bill or a 15-week limit, whatever that may be, that contrast between our candidates and theirs is the most important thing that they're thinking, should be thinking about when they vote and, and when they're walking to that voting booth and are thinking about the life issue, which we want them to, and they, in fact, already are this cycle, very much so. Sure. And Marjorie, speaking of the moment that we're in, in a very short time, it seems we've come a long way when it comes to how much the issue of abortion matters to voters. In essentially every primetime debate this cycle, candidates were asked to define their stance on abortion, no matter which side of the aisle they're on. What do you attribute that to? Well, I think it's because uh, it really matters this time. It has mattered before when we were trying to get the Supreme Court. We wanted to make sure our, our candidates were pro-life. We wanted to make sure they voted well when they got there. But this time, their votes will have concrete um, ramifications for whether children live or die because we might actually pass a law in the next couple of years that could be signed into law. So it matters now. It's top of mind. Roe v. Wade's overturned. It's all sent back to us and us speaking through our elected uh, representatives. And so it really matters. And that's why I say sticking with them the day after the election, the week, the month, the year after the election, and not forgetting to keep communicating with them, praying for them, making sure they know your views is really important after the election as well. Sure. We have just about a minute left, but let's talk for just a moment a little more about the abortion extremism that we're facing in America. You recently co-authored an op-ed exposing underground abortion rings that are this very day smuggling dangerous chemical abortion pills across the Mexican border. Can you just share a few more details about that piece? Yeah, it's very similar to is what, in, what is happening with the fentanyl uh, problem in our country. And there's a spider web of, of impossible to find networks that are uh, getting duffel bags full of, of abortion pills that are expired, that have uh, no labeling, uh, that have uh, no connection to a doctor over here that would be looking for contraindications, ectopic pregnancies, stage stage of pregnancy. Now that this has been demedicalized pretty much, well, not pretty much completely, those pills are going directly to women, going directly to men who could be misusing those pills, slipping them into women's drinks. There is no oversight at all. And this in the face of what we know about it, that that uh, the increase of emergency room visits after abortion pills is 500 times what it is for a surgical abortion. This is dangerous stuff. And the left simply doesn't care. They don't care about it being safe. They care about the institution of abortion, not the women themselves. Mm. I appreciate you writing on that. I encourage all of our viewers to read it. And just want to thank you again for all of the hard work that SBA Pro-Life America is doing in these final days ahead of the election. Thanks for joining us, Marjorie Dannenfelser, president of SBA Pro-Life America. Thank you, Prudence.
During a recent press gaggle at the White House, here's what the president told EWTN News Nightly correspondent Owen Jensen when asked if he supports limits on abortion. Take a look. Mr. President, Mr. President, should there be any should there be any restrictions on abortion at all? Any restrictions on abortion at all? Uh, yes, there should be. What should they be? And Roe v. Wade. Read it, man. You'll get educated. As the president shuffled off to board Marine One, Jensen attempted to press him on the question, receiving no further response. President Biden's administration has repeatedly said he supports the Women's Health Protection Act, a radical piece of legislation that does not allow for a single restriction on abortion. And joining me now to unpack all of this is Edie Heipel, political correspondent for Catholic News Agency. Edie, thanks for joining me. What was your reaction to this? I noticed you wrote a piece on it that very day. Well, first, it's just absolutely ridiculous, as you mentioned. Um, it in no way matches where President Biden has been, both on his policies and his past statements, promising Americans that he would codify Roe v. Wade after it was overturned, and then even go further by, by codifying into law the Women's Health Protection Act, as you mentioned, which is the most extreme radical pro-abortion piece of legislation in history. Um, so I really think, you know, who are we to say what was going through his mind at the time of telling this to Owen, but it really doesn't match where he stands at all and, and seems to be just another lie. Right. And he also recently spoke at a Restore Row event that was held here in D.C. Could you please help clear something up? You know, why do so many people believe that codifying Roe versus Wade is actually going to allow for limits on abortion? It is an intentional lie on behalf of the Democrat Party and the pro-abortion lobby to say that Roe v. Wade in any way restricts abortion. As you know, the framework of Roe established that if a woman and her doctor for any reason can make a case that for her health she, she, she needs to get an abortion, whether that includes her emotional health, her family status, or her age, that's allowable. So it's just simply not true, and it's a lie to the American people. But even if it were true, the real question at heart is, do we want to live in a country where even in the third trimester, if a woman finds out that her baby has Down syndrome, can she kill it? If the, in the second trimester, a woman finds out that her family stops supporting her, should she kill her child? And even in the first trimester, if a woman is emotionally distressed about her pregnancy, should she, allow, should, should she be allowed to kill her child? Mm -hmm. So that's really the question we need to get at here. Yeah, really, really insightful. And our EWTN CEO, Michael Warsaw, he wrote a publisher's note on this, tying these recent comments to the midterm elections and how important they are, not only for Americans in general, but for Catholics. Speak to me about how much this election matters when it comes to sustaining our Catholic way of life, Edie. I think Catholics have unfortunately gotten a taste in the past two years just how much elections matter. Um, you know, Catholic families are being, uh, are being run after by the DOJ, pulling out pro-life protesters who've been peacefully praying out outside of abortion clinics and, 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 and arresting them. Um, you know, we have the sitting president of the United States coming out saying that trans surgeries on children that mutilate their bodies is a right. So I think Catholics for sure are well aware by now how much this election, this next ele election will matter in terms of policies and impacts on their lives. Right. And you've been tracking all of these midterm election races very closely. You recently wrote a piece on the Hispanic vote specifically. Almost half of Hispanics are Catholic. So talk to me about how much their vote's going to matter in a few days. Well, it certainly will will matter a lot, especially in battleground states such as Arizona, Nevada, and the like. Um, and what we really are seeing is that the issues that matter most to Hispanics matter to the majority of Americans. 
you know, I, I talk to Hispanics across both political spectrums, the right and the left, and the top issue for them, just like everybody else right now, is the economy, inflation. They're being crushed by prices. Um, they're worried about crime and, 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 and soaring costs and being able to afford to feed their families. So, you know, that's really going to impact how the elections turn out, I think, especially in some of these battleground states where they're going to play a major role in, in the outcome. Mm. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Edie Heipel of Catholic News Agency. Thank you. Coming up, a star on a popular Netflix show sparks backlash on social media after saying she would not give birth to a child with Down syndrome. I speak out. Plus, we speak to Scott and Kimberly Hahn in Steubenville, Ohio, who tell us how the Catholic culture at Franciscan University has shaped the community around them. Welcome back to EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. A star on the popular Netflix show Love is Blind sparks backlash on social media after saying she would kill her unborn baby if she found out the child had a, quote, birth defect. That is this week's Speak Out segment. On the newest season of Love is Blind, there's some pro-abortion propaganda that needs to be addressed. The premise of the show is somewhat eerie. Couples who have never met each other enter into separate pods where they can have conversations but can't see each other. Then they have to choose whether or not to get engaged without ever seeing the other person or walk away. In a conversation with one man in the pods, Nancy Rodriguez shared that she is a speech pathologist who works with children who have Down syndrome. She then went on to say that if she were to get pregnant with a child who had special needs, she would kill that baby and, quote, try again and hope that the second time is better. The man was shocked and said that he could never do that. To think that someone who works day in and day out with these children, who need love and care just like anyone else, and that she would have chosen to end their lives if she had the chance, is revolting. What if her students or their parents were watching the show? Did she think about how insulting that might be to them? Clearly she didn't, and the one silver lining here is that the man she was speaking with was aboard due to the beliefs that his family instilled in him. Shame on Netflix for perpetuating the lie that children with special needs don't deserve to live. Like we say on this show every week, no matter what the circumstances, life is a gift. Focusing back on Ohio, we want to give you a glimpse into a thriving town in the state, Steubenville. Steubenville is known by many Catholics as the home of Franciscan University, one of the strongest traditional Catholic schools in the nation. We sat down with Dr. Scott Hahn and his wife Kimberly, who have lived in the town for nearly 33 years. The Hahns have six children and 21 grandchildren. The very antithesis of culture falling apart is investing in our little ones and being open to life and receiving these children as the tremendous treasure that they are. Kimberly has served for seven years as city councilwoman at large in Steubenville, now finishing up her second term. For me, this has been an experience of extending my motherhood. This is real wealth. Real wealth scripturally is land and children. And so encouraging families to be able to have the American dream of owning a home, owning some land in this land, and um, being open to life and having children uh, is very important. And so government needs to support that. The Hans encourage each other in their married life to give back to the community with their own unique talents. With the support of her husband, Kimberly has truly become a matriarch for the entire town, reviving its people in more ways than one. 
And to the best of my ability, I will be a servant leader. I, I want to um, take all of that concern into my heart in prayer, and then I will pursue what I think are the best policies to address those concerns. And nobody had ever seen this before. Nobody running for office had ever knocked on all 7,000 plus <laughs> right. doors. But your motto was ready to listen, ready to lead. Right. And they could see it. You embodied that. We also talked about the relationship between Franciscan University and the town. In some ways, the two have become codependent on one another. One hand washes the other, and so the town has a strong Catholic family subculture. Even if we're not dominant in the city, we do have a great deal of influence. And you see strong Catholic families, and you also find Catholic men and women as husbands and fathers who prioritize family life. So I think the students encourage us as part of the community. But on the other hand, we also find that a lot of students graduate and recognize, why don't we stay here? The cost of living, but also the Catholic family culture. It's so strong and vibrant that we're literally seeing hundreds of our graduates coming back or just simply deciding to stay here. And it's a great, it's a great feedback loop. And the Hans expressed to me grave concerns about our self-proclaimed Catholic president, Joe Biden. I am very good friends with Archbishop Charles Chaput, who mm. just retired. Yes. But recently he said words that just echoed my heart, and that is, he's living a lie. And anybody who ignores that is also complicit in that lie. Actions speak louder than words, and your actions subvert what you're saying. I I pray for our president. I pray for all of those people who will stand before Almighty God and give an account of the power they had politically and how they misused it. And my hope is that they will repent. That does it for this edition of EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Until next time, we'd love to hear from you. Find us on social media at EWTN Pro-Life on all social media platforms. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're there. You can also send us a message by emailing prolifeweekly at EWTN.com. We love to hear from you. Remember, life is a gift. Your life is a gift. God bless.